Hey, it's Anthony with HowToGetIntoDramaSchool.com. Today we're going to go over some questions that get commonly asked to me whenever I go and do Q&As. So when I speak to uh, groups of young actors and about how to get into drama school and they ask me Q uh, questions, I, I always write them down afterwards because it's important to me to learn what the real questions are that are being asked today. And so I wanted just to compile some of the ones that um, get asked frequently and, you know, give my take on them. So I'm basically just going to go through a few of these questions and kind of give my take on them and hopefully they're valuable to you. So the first question that gets asked to me all the time as I bring up the list here is what if I want to double major? Do you recommend that? And that's a question that gets asked a lot, I think, these days, as opposed to maybe, you know, when I was auditioning, I was auditioning um, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and it was like, you know, you were either gung-ho and doing exactly, you know, acting, or it was like, no, I'm not really ready for a BFA program, I'm going to do like a BA program, and today, that's not the case, right? Um, There's so much more excitement around hey, I'm interested in marine biology and acting, or I'm, I'm the you know, lead actor in my community or in my school or whatever, and I'm also interested in architecture because you know, that's my family business and I want to, you know, whatever. There's a ton of different stories of why someone may want to double major, put their creativity into multiple avenues. So do I recommend it? I do, but you have to be conscious about what you're committing to. So I did not double major because Juilliard doesn't offer double majors. So, you know, if you're applying to Juilliard, right, no double majoring. If you're applying to Carnegie Mellon or if you're applying to other schools that are a rigorous, high-demand BFA actor training program, you literally don't have time. They won't let you double major. But if you want to get a good theater training program and also major in something else, you might really be looking at um, like what I would call BA programs or second tier acting programs where they're not as intense, they're not as rigorous, they're not going to go so deep dive into, you know, let's say all the different types of training um, and you'll have extra time to devote to your other major. And you'll still get good acting training. You'll still get good opportunities to perform and all that stuff. And it, and it doesn't have anything really to do with your career beyond acting. Like you could still, you know, be super successful uh, having gone to a BA program and double majoring. Um, but if it's in your heart, if it's in your passion to really explore both theater and XYZ interest of yours then I think you need to honor that. So that's my answer to that. Um, One question that gets asked all the time is, what was the coolest thing you did at Juilliard? And I got to be honest with you. I had a moment at Juilliard that I don't think a lot of other people would talk about. Like Most people would probably talk about a cool play they did or maybe like a moment in class. Um, And I guess this is a moment in class, but it was like something we prepared and I, I, it sometimes just gets me emotional because of where we were in our training and, and all that stuff. So we did this class called Suzuki and it's a movement technique from um, Asia and we were being taught it by a really amazing teacher 
Ellen Lauren. And uh, one of the projects in that class was to take a political speech. You know what? Now that I'm saying this, I'm actually remembering it differently. The reality was we were in voice class and we were working on political speeches. You could choose a political speech from, you know, a modern one or an old one. And we were practicing our vocal technique using the long sentences and thoughts of of political speeches. Yet, we were having Suzuki class, you know, sort of at the same time. So the Suzuki technique and the Suzuki movements were sort of like ingrained in me at this moment that we were taking acting, uh, this voice class. So we performed these political speeches and obviously most people perform them just generally standing and speaking clearly and uh, really passionately throughout the long thoughts because that was the exercise that we were doing in voice class. But I, I guess, combined it into a sort of artistic performance and I took a, a speech that Maya Angelou wrote for uh, some sort of maybe Democratic National Convention or some sort of presidential inauguration maybe for Bill Clinton. And I did it with a highly stylized Suzuki physical um, technique. And I felt so powerful and it made one of my classmates cry who, you know, I didn't expect her to cry. And so that got me going like, wow, I can't believe that that made her um, emotional. Just the obeying of the technique is really impactful. You know, like essentially learn what they're teaching you and apply it to the best of your ability. You know, even if, yeah. So that was a huge, like exciting moment for me. And a, and a cool moment. I think that was the coolest moment um, for me. There was a lot of cool moments. Okay, so moving on. Is going to an international school like RADA good for me? Um, I did not apply to any international schools. However, I do think that if you really want to like live in London and study at Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts or Guildhall or any of these, Scotland, whatever, yeah, why not? I mean, there are pros and cons. Again, you're choosing schools. You have to take responsibility for what you're doing. Essentially, you're placing yourself in that market. So if your plan is ultimately to work in the United States, you need to be aware that you're not really setting yourself up for success by leaving the United States and all that community to go study and build relationships in foreign soil and However, though, if you're totally cool with studying over there and potentially making a living over there, then yeah, why not? Like the training is great. You know, there's like fantastic schools over there and um, the style is a little bit different, but it's fantastic and you'd totally grow as an artist. So you just got to ask yourself what you're really passionate about. If, if you generally thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'd love to study and then make a career on Broadway or make a career in regional theater or make a career on film and television or whatever, then there's really no reason to study abroad because you are shooting yourself in the foot a little bit by studying abroad with that community and building relationships in that community and showcasing yourself after school to that community. Um, when really, if you studied here, you'd get the same or better training and you'd also, you know, 
be amongst the community who would be hiring you for those jobs afterwards. Okay. Hope that makes sense. Um, two more questions. Uh, which one do I choose? How do you balance expressing authenticity in such a nerve-wracking situation like college auditions? How do you balance expressing authenticity in such a nerve-wracking situation like college auditions? I get that college auditions can be nerve-wracking. And different people are different. You know, like um, some people respond differently to nerves. Um, I can share with you that I'm, I grew up as an athlete. And uh, which, which by, by way of saying like, you know, nerves are something that I've learned to, that I had learned at that point to really like embrace and, you know, high stakes situations and, you know, you got to perform even through the nerves. So as an athlete, like nerves were something that I always experienced, but, you know, just had already learned how to just, you perform better when the nerves are there because that means the stakes are high and you got to do well. Um, but I know a lot of the people that I coach who got, who get into these drama schools, um, they don't necessarily, you know, they may crumble under the fear or they may, um, not really deliver what they know they can because they're stiff. So I think the, the way you express yourself and show up as you and really deliver great work and yourself as a personality, even when you're thinking about the high stakes of these auditions, I think it actually comes down to how much prep did you really do? Like you should feel confident in your work. You should not feel like, oh, I don't know, really know what I'm going to do in there. That's how you're, you're, you're not ready. If you're thinking, I'm not really sure what's going to, what I'm going to do in there. No, no, you should, you have four minutes, you know, two minutes for each monologue or whatever your school's time limit is that they gave you to prepare something. You should be fully prepared from the moment you walk into the moment you walk out and you should be confident and excited in your pieces. You should be in love with your pieces and you should be, you know, totally confident. Now, the confidence doesn't mean that the nerves are not there, but you're more prepared and excited and you know what you're going to do in there. So the nerves will help, you know, your smile will be bigger, your, um, emotional moment, you'll lead up to it even with more of a, you know, climax and you'll, you'll really milk everything you can out of these moments that you've prepared because, you know, this is it. So I think that, confidence and preparation will um, serve you. And so you need to really prepare and know what you're doing. And then when you get like a callback, and then you really don't know what's going to go down in there, because this is the part, the part where they're asking you to adjust the monologue, or they're asking you to do this exercise that you know, you didn't know they were going to ask. I think that that's okay to be nervous, but you don't really need to be. I mean, frankly, you don't need to be nervous if they're giving you an adjustment to your monologue because one, that means that they're interested. So they're giving you something that, you know, you can play with. And two, yeah, you need to just like, they don't expect you to be prepared. They don't, they don't expect the right answer, right? So if they say, Hey, instead of doing it at um, the baseball field where it's set, why don't you do it at your father's grave or whatever? Um, and that's sort of what happened to me where they just basically re, re, um, 
they set my piece in a different location and they placed the person that I was talking to in a different location and they, they wanted to see how that would affect me. So that's like basically permission for me to play. Yeah, let me see what it feels like to be looking at my father's grave while I say this monologue instead of whatever. And like, just let me just pour into that and pretend that that's what this is. So that's the sort of mentality. It shouldn't be like, oh, they're asking me to uh, go to my father's grave. That means I made the wrong choice before. Now they're, they're, they're telling me what the right choice is. So let me, let me actually try to do it the right way. Like that's how you know this is not good acting. You're, you're not going to be delivering your best if you're thinking about what they want. Because all they want is for you to pour your imagination into whatever you're being asked to do. And they want you to do it fully. So um, that's how you balance bringing yourself and bringing your authenticity, even when there's nerves, um, you need to be fully prepared and excited for what you have prepared. And that will kind of allow you to own your own space. And then I think when uh, they ask you about yourself, hey, you know, come on over to the table, let's talk a little bit. You know, they asked me like, what do you want to do after school? Like, obviously, this is a time when they're asking you to be you, there's nothing you need to say that is correct, or whatever, they're just wanting to learn about what you want. And you should totally be authentic in that. Um, I remember them asking, what do you want to do after school? And I, um, I said, you know, my goal is to, you know, perform on the globe stage in London for the Roy- with the Royal Shakespeare company. You know, I said that and my goals have obviously changed and everything as I've matured, but like, yeah, no, like I don't mind just saying what, you know, they're asking me questions. I don't need to have anything necessarily prepared. I just need to be focused and need to be clear about how I, what I want. So, uh, that's how you bring you, they, they want you, you know, so you should feel good about bringing you. All right. I'll answer one more question here. Let's see. How do you reduce the price of school? If you get accepted, how do you reduce the price of school? If you get accepted? Yes. School costs a lot. I think tuition nowadays is like 45 or something. Um, is crazy and you know room and board on top of that would make it like over 60 no no doubt school is expensive here's what you need to understand uh, if you want to reduce the price first of all you're not really talking about reducing the price until you're accepted so let's assume you've been accepted and now you want to lower the price so there's first thing you want to do is ask yourself did i get accepted to any other schools and if you got accepted to other schools then you want to ask what are they offering financially? What are their office of financial aids telling you that they're giving you? So one of my friends got a full ride actually to a small school and he got like virtually nothing at the school that he wanted to go to. He got accepted to both, but he got money at one and he didn't get money at the one he wanted. So he just told the one he wanted. And this is what I'd recommend. If you want to lower the price of tuition after you've been accepted, first, Tell the school that you want to go to that you are getting a specific amount of money. Let's say it's a hundred thousand, you know, or over the course of four years, like, or they're giving you twenty thousand a year. So for four years, that'd be eighty thousand. Tell the school uh, this other school is giving me eighty thousand. I'm wondering if we can reassess my financial aid package so that you know it makes it more interest, you know, interesting of an offer 
so that I can attend here. You know, me and my family are going to weigh this very heavily and I would like to attend this school, but I can't if this other school is offering me so much more. So talking to the financial aid offices about the other offers you got, negotiating there, I would say use apps like Scholly, S-C-H-O-L-L-Y, tons of private um, scholarships that you can apply for. Um, You need to get into the habit after you've auditioned and gotten accepted. You need to really get into like chapter two of the work, which is applying and sending in scholarship letters to all the places, uh, private scholarships. So one thing that I would advise if you want to get scholarships amongst all the other applicants is in the letter, you need to have some sort of story, some sort of engaging hook or compelling hook, like For those of you who are, um, you know, your ethnicity is something that is underrepresented in the school, you know, you can always bring that in. That's a compelling hook. Um, If you are a legacy student where your family members before you, your maybe your parents or your grandparents have been to that school before, that's something that's always interesting. Um, You're a legacy student and you'd like to go to the school, you like more money for the school. Um, There's different things that are you know, or if you just have a really compelling story about why you chose this school or why you chose acting, something that is a hook you need to have in your scholarship letter. That's how you can reduce the price of admission. Um, also, you know, I did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff <clears throat> throughout college. So I definitely uh, worked over the summer. I worked over the winter breaks and, you know, I made money to show my parents that, you know, I'm serious about going to this expensive school and I'm willing to uh, fork up some cash for it, you know, and yeah, there's different ways. Um, We've got a blog on our website, how to get into drama school.com about um, different ways that you can get money. There's tons of YouTube videos out there about making hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships. And so you can get inspired from different ways, but it's a project list out all the ways you can uh, get money and go for it. You know, there's really not a lot of rules, but you know, you just got to learn about which method you're going for uh, play by those rules and do your best, but that's after you get accepted. So you'll be excited about it no matter what, because you're like, well, if this is to allow me to go to this school, then let's, let's write the, a damn good letter. <laughs> So that's it for now. Those are some of the questions that get asked to me. I hope this was valuable to you. We've got so many podcasts, so many blogs, so many videos that you can watch on this topic of how to get into drama school because we love that moment. That moment when you're not really in your career yet. You're not really, you know, focusing on anything except the audition that's coming up for your drama school's And, you know, wherever you get accepted is really going to determine where you live for the next amount of next chapter of your life and and the type of training that you get and the new friends that you make. It's an amazing moment that we love. And so we're here to help you prepare for it. We're here to be your mentor. We're here to be your coach. We're here to be your guide as you navigate the auditions themselves. So work hard, find pieces you love, connect to them deeply and rehearse, 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 share you, share your passion. This is Anthony Wofford, how to get into drama school.com. Have a great one.